Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meetup podcast. My name's Joe Glover. Today, our guest is Perna Vergi. Perna is the Senior Content Solutions Consultant at LinkedIn. If you know the world of search, then you probably already know Perna. She's one of the most influential, well-known figures in the paid search industry. On a more personal level, she's just been an absolute joy to work with. And that came through in her presentation today. Perna presented a solution to the question about what happens when I don't have any content. And then she provided a framework for using that content in a way that makes sense, that helps you do as little work as possible and get as much content out there in a way that speaks to your audience, but also speaks to your employees and your clients and helps them see you in the way that you want to be seen. It was a great presentation and one that I really enjoyed in a very similar way to Mary Owusu a couple of weeks ago where you left the session and just thought, ah, that was really practical. I know what to do now. I can do that tomorrow and it will make a difference. So the presentation is great. I hope you really enjoy it. The slides and the video are found on our website. Um, Before we pass over to Perna, I just want to say a big thank you to this week's featured sponsor, who is ContentCal. Content Care will make it easy to organize your content, uh, which is very fitting for today's session, uh, both in the social media world, but then also uh, on a far wider level with all of your content. They then help you analyze it in a way that makes sense. So all of a sudden, your content with the talk from Perna, which is all about how to find content and organize it, well, you can do that in Content Care, and it all just seems to wrap up quite nicely. So I really hope you enjoyed today's talk. I know that I did, and the chat feature was amazing throughout with folks really, really grateful for Perna's advice and experience. So do take the time to listen. Uh, I really hope you enjoy. You are listening because you're listening to a podcast, and I will see you soon. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Today, as I talk about ways that you can make your content marketing a little bit more easy, a little more efficient, a little more sustainable. But before I want to go down that route, given that Halloween's coming up and there's all my neighbors have put up their spooky decorations already, I am curious that what do you all find scarier? Is it those supernatural bad guys, uh, like those ghosts, or is it those, like the human bad guys, like the uh, serial killer types. What do you think? Clown, clown. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have had the clown on here. Sorry. Oh, the financial control. Oh, no. Should I delete the clown next time on this? Let me know if I'm traumatizing everyone. Right. How do I make this thing go away? Or anyway. Um, scream. Okay. Now. For me, it's always those supernatural bad guys. It's almost the things that you don't understand how they behave. They can come from anywhere. Like for me, they, they just like terrify me at night. It's also the reason I couldn't watch the X-Files because I was just very, very scared. But put all of these together in a room and they still will not be as frightening as that blank page, isn't it? that ever hungry beast of an editorial calendar that is like hounding us and haunting us to to be fed. And I know I'm not the only one who has this like terror. Um, A lot of 
people just like us say the same thing. We can see it from more rational studies that look, content creation, strategy distribution, they're still our most common pain points. Well, I'm a big one on overcoming my fears. Public speaking was a big one. Hence, I went on every stage till I'm like, I'm not terrified of this anymore. So I went and I found a whole bunch of the best advice out there to make content creation a little less terrifying for all of us. So grab your popcorn as I will cover how to audit your existing content to find some super cool ideas, how you can give new purpose to what's worked elsewhere, and then the humsing shout, the, what the title talks about. I want to share this framework for how you can plan it, and then we'll just go into Q&As and key takeaways. Um, and all throughout, please chat with me. I miss traveling so much. I miss being with everyone in a room. Uh, so help me please feel that I am right amongst you all. Right. So let's get started with how to audit. This is a question I get all the time. Like, where do I even start looking? We just need to look at Hollywood, for example, for showing how producing great content can be super sustainable. I mean, let me show you what I mean. Most of the top grossing movies in all of history in Hollywood are either sequels, prequels, or remakes, right? It's all the same ideas that tend to work. And it proves to us that some of the best creative is half old and half new. So why don't we make like a movie mogul with these five research-based strategies to source fresh content. Right. Now, if we start with some Nielsen research, they showed that a whopping 92% of consumers say they have a more positive image of a company when it supports social or environmental issues. We all, we all think the same, right? We're drawn to the brands that have this purpose, that help others. And so you can improve your brand perception with tip number one, which is to curate from your purpose to connect via shared values. Now, I, I'm not using purpose in that overly cliched use of the term. Every single one of you is doing something to some degree of good um, within your community, local or at a grander scale. We just need to pull from that and share with LinkedIn to either try to help educate or motivate or inspire others. So even if you're doing something really super local, like I love this post from Chadwick's group where they help to build a local mobility center in their county. Um, so helpful to build their brand. They're already doing it. They put a compelling image on LinkedIn and it's wonderful to get others to share in it and maybe they'll inspire others to wanna to come in and help. Or oh, Mitsubishi Electric here, where they are sharing their woodland preservation efforts in Japan, very on brand. Oh, oh. Gazprom um, Electric, I really like this one because they are, it's not just that they are supporting pride, but I love that they pulled in and highlighted 
quotes from their people about why pride is important to them and what it means to them. It's also relatable in this human kindness, right? So this is what you're doing locally. It's still very worthy to content to put out there on any of your socials or platforms. It just helps people build the brand perception. Or the other thing is you can show how you're making a difference at scale and then help people understand. This one is super simple, but very clever. It's Pearson. They're pulling from existing research that they have cited in the post as well. And they just created this super fun, you know, visually eye-grabbing animation to help show people like, hey, you know, if you reduce your commute, this is how much the carbon gets reduced in the environment. Here's all the good that you can take, even if you cut your commute from like five days to four days and so on. It almost gives people a tangible reason to want to to do that and by the way if any of you uh work on any of these companies like please pop in the chat i'd love to see it um, and then my one of my absolute favorite examples of doing this comes from hotel chocolat i really like this a it's only 25 seconds so it's very digestible b you it looks really good and i'll show you in a moment but it also looks for us marketers, like we can tell it's look quite simple to put together. It's just an image and like text and then it just moves. And they tell you the full story. It's not just like why you should recycle your coffee pods, but what do they do with it after? So, okay, enough raving about it. Let me let you all have a quick watch. And again, it's only 25 seconds. pretty powerful punch in 25 seconds. They highlighted their employee who designed the system, talked about the system, talked about how it would help and what could happen with it. It's just motivation upon motivation upon motivation. And all of this great stuff already exists somewhere in your company. So whether it's going to your PR teams, your uh, community engagement teams, you know, whomever, they will have this, pull it in. Next up, if we look at our research, it shows that the majority of customers with a high personal and emotional connection to a brand are willing to pay a premium or even engage more with the brand. I mean, Joe, I think you're absolute proof of this with your positively lovely webinars because people have such an emotional connection. Like I have wanted to be a part of these for months. Like I'm so excited that my day is here and I'm, you know, actually a part of this. It's incredible, right? If you build that emotional connection, that warmth, people will be drawn to you. They'll want to be a part of it. So how can you, um, how can you do that? How can you find those ways to bring out your human side, your personality? Turn to your people. Your people are already having these rich conversations internally. Why not 
strategically pull from it and share it as great content ideas. Here's three really good places to look. So the first one, so AIG, Global uh, sort of Insurance Professional Services Farm, they have employee resource groups or ERGs. So AIG's ERG <laughs> would meet on a regular basis to talk about just creating a more equitable future. And what they do on LinkedIn is that they will post highlights or learnings from these discussions to help enlighten other people. So here, for example, they talked about just the importance and the etiquette of pronouncing people's names uh, accurately. Such an important point, and they're giving helpful advice that they learned and crowdsourced amongst themselves. So if you have any kind of employee like meetups, discussions, some good idea was sparked, put it out there, pay it forward, help others. And when you help others, people will remember you. It's very karmic, I believe. The next one is highlight your employee passions. Like you, what's unique to any company that no one else has uh, is your people. No one else has the same people, even if they do the same thing. So you leverage their skills, put a spotlight on them. They'll feel valued and important. And you'll also have this endless stream of content. So Vodafone, they did an employee photography contest. And then they kept sharing and highlighting different employees, the ones who were um, their top ones, and talked about them. Why do they want to work at Vodafone? Why do they like what they do? Plus all of their different photos which made for just visually appealing content. But if you're a brand that's trying to attract more people to want to work with you, pretty clever idea. And you can get your employee, your executives involved too. And now the number one complaint I have, my execs are super busy. They have no time. Uh, I don't really, I can't get them to do anything. Like how will I get them to post on social media for us? They don't always have to create, they can curate, but add their perspective. And this is one of my absolute favorite examples. It, and anyone can do it. Yes, I know it's a Microsoft, it's a really big uh, um, company, but you could replace this with any company, like anyone could do it. Share a news article that resonates and then put your own perspective on it. So here she's sharing this post about six strategies for exhausted working parents. And Kathleen's talking about, hey, you know, it's so hard to be a single mom and find the balance between work and life. It's vulnerable, right? You don't see chief ex-officers, chief people officers in her case, posting about their own vulnerabilities. But in doing so, they almost make it comfortable for other women. I'm like, yes. We relate to this, right? For any others who will relate, here it is other parents. Then she, she talks about this. It's authentic and it resonates. Um, she had over 90,000 views of this post. And that's impressive because at this time, she had about 55,000 followers. So way more views and shares than even the people who follow her. Again, all of this super simple to do, everyone can do it, easy to find these ideas. All right. Uh, research three shows that 
shows what you already know, that lead nurturing is so incredibly important. And market or research shows that companies with advanced lead nurturing see 50% more sales ready leads at a 33% lower cost. So for tip number three, let's look at how to curate from history to nurture audiences and drive engagement. First one, why don't you tap into key trends, both past and present? This is such a simple thing to do, like take something that is a shared memory that most of your audience will have and just post it on there. It, in this post here, this is something exactly, it's such as Sarah, you said it, it's iconic dial-up noise that we all remember it. So this is an image that you can hear um, where they're inviting you to, you know, they're invoking those memories on, on the modem connection. And it also makes them look humorous, approachable, right? It's just tapping into that shared trend. Uh, or you can even evoke nostalgia while tapping into what people already know now, like the hashtag TBT, right? Throwback Thursday, it's a just popular social trend. Uh, the MSN ding, yes, and clippy sound, remember? Uh, so fun. I love it, we're already getting some buzz going. So clearly posts like that work. <laughs> Do you all remember this, which is from Network Rail, where they did a flashback first day because of the kitty cat that was riding on top of the train. Do any of you remember that? Oh, Laura, I see somebody saying, yes, I remember that, love that post. Oh, come on, this is, yes, it's the nostalgic throwback Thursday thing, but they made it fun. They tapped into like a real news activity. It was really engaging content play it back again and again. It was, it's so clever. Like this one will always work. Even if you put it every six months on speed dial, people will be like, oh my gosh, yes, remember that cat? Especially because it had a happy ending, why right? it was brought to safety. So you'll build that camaraderie, that sense of community when you can tap into like a shared experience or a shared memory, it's so powerful. And like, look, Network Rail did it because it was their memory, but Microsoft just picked, you know, anything that anyone could tap into to do that. All right, tip number four is social proof. We all know this, right? I think uh, Meg Ryan proved it to us with the, the whole I'll have what she's having seen, for those of you who remember. Uh, we have always used, since time, immemorial. We always look to social proof. We will trust sources independent of the company, um, in, you know, relying on word of mouth and each other versus just what the company says. And Sophie, that is hysterical, rushing out to purchase the cat. So that was an unintended conversion uh, for Network Rail. <laughs> So how do you show this social proof in, in content without coming off as just super braggy? Is shared from your customer's point of view, almost like you're highlighting their success. DoorDash, which is the American, uh, similar to Deliveroo and all of the other really cool food services, 
they shared how a restaurant owner saw over 20,000 new orders after signing up. Again, just highlighting the customer, it's about them, it's compelling proof, and it's not like, look what we did, it's look what they saw. Um, or Ocean Bottle, they're sharing photos of their customers using their products in different places. Now, I used to read like 17 magazine, like L, like all of them, like of course, you know, every travel. A few, this used to be something that the magazines would do a few years ago, isn't it? Anyone else remember that? It's like, take a picture of you reading this magazine to win some kind of uh, award or something like that. And it's such a clever strategy. It's worked there and now they're doing it with their water bottles. It's like, let's see where, yes, yes, you remember just 17. It's exactly, I'm glad I'm not the only one who is, uh, who remembers that. So they do it um, or promote the recognition that you received. So Uni of Bath, being ranked eighth in the Guardian University Guide. Uh, that's pretty huge honor, like amazing. Fun fact, I went to Cardiff Uni, so I was trying to say, where, where do we rank? And I'm sort of like 30, so not too shabby. Uh, but this is really good, compelling data that looks somebody else is talking about how awesome we are, right? It's not us saying it. So either your customers or external. Oh, there's another really clever, clever one that you can do, which is highlight the recognition that you give to others, the awards that you give to others. So Red Hat has this innovation awards. The awards are brilliant for like never ending stream of content. You can highlight the nominees, you can highlight the key dates, you can highlight the winners, you can highlight their stories, it's grand. And in awarding other people, you set yourself up as an authority, right? If, if I am avoiding others, then obviously like I must know my stuff and I am worthy to avoid uh, to award others. So super clever, super little simple things to do. So have a look. And like this builds goodwill too, right? Everybody likes that. Okay, the, the fifth and last piece of research is from Google and Forrester. And this number surprised me because they said that 90% of the purchase process is completed before people even contact a vendor. Now, I knew it was high, but I don't think it was like 90% high, right? Wait, what do you all think? Like, did that, does that surprise any of you as well? Or were you like, no, I, I know that for sure. Okay, so surprise, you thought it was, oh. Yeah, it is, it is that high. Okay, good. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. And so, okay, so they do most of it before coming to talk to us. And what they do, what, what's involved in that 90% of time is they read through 13 pieces of content on average. This means your content's your best salesperson, right? You, it's putting your best foot forward and it's got to do the work for you. So if we think like, what is their decision journey? Like, what are they considering along this path? You want to ensure you have content that speaks to those considerations. Larissa, yes, much higher in B2B. You're absolutely right. And yes, I will caveat that. That's such a good point. It is a much more so for B2B versus B2C is a lot uh, slightly lower. So what you can do is curate from your own internal data to stand out during their research process. So while they are exploring their options, trying to understand what they're doing, 
you want to give them just enough points so that you stand out as as um, as the one that they want to choose. So the, Start off with promoting your effectiveness success rate. So Talkspace here talks about, hey, 70% improvement in 12 weeks. It's data. You can't really argue with data, isn't it? It is. Um, that's pretty compelling info. Put it out there. Oh, I love um, what this company has done, where they Redgate software, where they talk about how their customer reduced their time to provision from two hours to 10 minutes. That's another compelling uh, stat right there that grabs attention. Oh, I really want some chocolate now too. Oh, you're killing me. Yeah, oh, I will grab some after. It's early in the day, so I'm like chocolate for breakfast. Sounds really good for me. <laughs> the other thing you can do is those key points that matter to people. So here at Chubb, which is an insurance company, they are saying that, look, the average time to talk to an agent is only seven seconds. Powerful. No one likes being on hold. This is going to tell you about what the experience is like working with them. Huge. All uh, legal and general. Where here they're talking about how much they paid out in claims, how many people they helped, uh, what, what they processed. So it shows that, hey, we will pay. If people have a case, they'll pay. It's a, again, it will set you apart because people are like, oh, I trust them. They do this. They are great to work with. Awesome. So again, if Mulder and Scully were content marketers, they would agree that the content is out there. This is my favorite uh, tip. And this is the tip that gets people promotions, that gets people visibility within the company, is to realize how powerful we are, especially in content or advertising. We can go to all these different orgs whether it's people who build product, your analytics teams, your brand marketing, your HR, like all of these teams, go to them and be this connector. Listen, I, you are creating amazing stuff. I want to give it a platform. I want to get in front of as many of our shared audiences as we can. It helps you because you have this additional content. You have people coming to you with ideas for content. And so your job is easier and B, you look like the superstar. You're the one that helped like, be this glue that holds all the different orgs together. So you're being made even more valuable within the company. So definitely do that. And I, if you're not sure where to start, here's a little handy checklist and you can screenshot this for reference or Joe will be sending out this full deck right after. Um, let me pause for a second. I've been talking for a really long time. So anything that jumped out, anything that you feel like I, I'm going to start off or I could replicate that, I'd just love to hear what's resonating. I love, I love this, uh, <laughs> this graphic here, per, per now. I think it's, uh, people could probably pop it on their desk, <laughs> you know, and, you know, with the, uh, the blank page syndrome, you, you sort of populated a, a whole content plan right there. I really, really like that. Thank you. I'm so glad because there's this, any friction that we can reduce in our lives, right? The better. Like we're so busy. We could be working 24 hours a day and still have more things to do than, than uh, on our list. Oh, the connect with others and sharing. Sarah, thank you. Francesca, I love the idea of approaching different teams. A lot of them are reticent. You know, you just need one 
person to be your success story and then everyone else will jump in. So try to find your like one person and showcase the win-win to them. Maeve, loving the stats, can already think of clients. Oh, good, I'm so glad. See, that's why I put the stats in because sometimes you almost need that proof point. Like here's why. Awesome. Okay. What if you are a team of one, Steffi? Well, don't. What do you like? Go and curate other people's content. Do what Kathleen Hogan did with that post. Like, share different articles that exist, and then put your own thoughts on it. Like, that's the. That would be really key. Okay. Let me move on to our next section, which is how do you give new purpose to what's worked elsewhere? So, and again, we will look at Hollywood for inspiration. Now, good old Disney, right? Disney, as we all know, turns their creatives into movies, of course, but toys, video games, lunchboxes, you name it. They reuse what works in a ton of different ways. And as a result, they make billions and billions and billions overall. And they increase their brands like prominence and brand awareness at scale, right? Here's a funny thing in this image. If you look a little bit, if you look at what the box office is, it is oh, only four and a half billion. <laughs> I'm joking. But if we look at the toys, that's like 15 billion. So some of their uh, different avatars of this movie may are more profitable than the original idea itself. So may some of that force be with us. And they can be if we use these three blockbuster strategies to repurpose content like a movie mogul. So tip number one, build content from news and current affairs. Uh, what we see, what tends to get a lot of engagement is like timely, relevant posts. And so good old newsjacking, hello, we can do that, but we can be a little bit more clever about it. All right, number one, who do people like to pay attention to? Celebrities, public figures, so why not pull from some of their news? I am in love with this post. It's from Burkett Long and they grab attention. Their whole image is pulled from the news where Daniel Craig or James Bond will not be gifting his estate. You're like, huh? So now automatically I like stop scrolling and I'm like, let me read more, let me read more. And then what they do is they go in and they're sharing practical advice into how people can reduce their inheritance bill. So clever, this news is already out there. Put that in. Or the next one, which is so clever, which is this post from Canva, which is again, just pulled from recent headlines. They put together their Women's Day post back in March this year. And all they did was create a timeline of women's achievements in the year of, in 2020. So they almost did as the timeline it was Somebody won a Nobel Prize, like New Zealand, uh, Jacinda Ahern, the, how she handled COVID. You know, any key highlight from a woman, they pull from the existing news, put it in their own pretty graphics, and then they had a really high engagement post um, that they put up there for Women's Day. It's brilliant. The content's out there, right? Pull from it. Or this one from Monzo Bank. Now, just for sometimes I'll get this question that, oh, you know, I am in a very regulated or I'm in a not so sexy industry, for example. 
your content can still be really fun. So Monza Bank pulled this last year, right after the first lockdown eased. Um, and they talked about how transactions in pubs increased by like 1,252%. Um, yes, exactly. I see a lot of people are fans of them. So I love this whole news jacking. It's, it's relevant to everyone. Again, a shared memory like we talked earlier, relevant to people. News jacking, relevant to as many people. And hey, just open a newspaper and you'll get an idea. Um, another one is, okay, so that's news jacking. What about social jacking, if that's a word? Or we'll make it up today, okay? So there are these popular social trends that people know well and we can capitalize on it. Rebecca, I agree. I happen to think that B2B is incredibly sexy and uh, folks can look at it. Remember this, like where I started, where I am now. Um, oh, you know, what is it? It's like how it started versus how it's going, right? I get the lingo. Obviously, I'm not as cool as, as, as the Gen Z. So, but in any case, look at this. Uh, Lego uses it so well. Again, promote their products, get that brand awareness, top of mind. Rishi Sunak did it as well. I, I, was, I was quite tickled pink by this one where he did that and he's like, oh, it's really because he wanted to be a Jedi. Um, lots of executives can do this too. I saw like Gary Vaynerchuk did a post like that. Uh, Sarah Blakey, who uh, owns Spanx, did that too. This is compelling. People like to see the before after we've seen it proven out. Or another really trending meme that we see often are the... Uh, shop the look and things like that. So Ogilvy Greece did this for Ikea where they did the popular, that meme, where everyone knows that meme. And they were like, okay, shop the look for Ikea. And it went viral for them as they are sharing in their post. It's so clever, it's easy to do, hop on that and, and get your customers involved too, like get your audience involved. So here's a cool thing, like the, a lot of us try to, optimize for eyeballs to try to get more views of our posts, but especially on LinkedIn, it's the engagement that will really matter first. Like optimize for engagement, the more back and forth, the more valuable it's seen, and then that will get it more views. So prioritize engagement versus purely just views and shares. Um, so this one was really fun because they, they did this in an authentic way. And I'm not saying do those, uh, press this if you're feeling whatever. No, this is fun. This gets people joining the conversation. So <laughs> Tableau Software did this with Name Your Company's Boat. This was like, you know, close after the, what was it, Boaty McBoat Face things? Um, and I love that they have this idea called tableauing in the wind. That's a, that's a clever idea. Or VMware did the tell us you work in IT without telling us you work in IT. And at the time that I took the screenshot, they had already had 235 comments. And this number has probably grown so much more since I took that. Rich engagement, tons of fun, tons of people interacting, top of mind awareness. So really, really clever. And then you can do this to your own content too. Um, in Hollywood, we see like spin-offs, re-releases, or movies made from TV shows, right? all show the value of reusing or sampling from your own head. So if you put a lot of time, especially B2B, we do this, where you put this big in-depth research report, not everyone has the time or attention capacity to 
read through a whole ebook or research. Pull from it, pull a little video clips, animations with one or two key points from it as almost your amuse-bouche or appetizer and that will get people wanting to click. And do this in different forms. You can use it to tell different stories. So uh, Drawdown Georgia, they are a state-funded effort to crowdsource for climate change. And they have some goal of cutting down the state's carbon emissions by a third in 10 years. They build all of their research and they put it together in this beautiful visual story. It's the clear copy, the graphics are just clean and bright and colorful, cheerful. And it's a short narrative ending with a clear call to action. So it's just like a mini story uh, in an app. It's so clever. And you can also use your big, you can sample from your content to reach different audiences. Um, Here's what Steelcase have done. So they, um, isn't it April? Thank you. So this, they put together this really in-depth uh, research report that they uh, polled like 22, 32,000 people across 10 countries for, and there they sell furniture. So they would appeal to, uh, they, to business owners to buy furniture for their business. They created two sets of research reports and they targeted two different audiences. So first they targeted the employees themselves, but like, here's how you can be more efficient. Here's what our research says. Get employees to ask for it. Then they targeted the manager HR people to be like, here's how your teams can perform more effectively. So really clever, like pull from that, think about the different audiences and it can be really helpful. So again, the main thing to take away and calm any frightened nerves when you see those blank pages is remember, we can create dozens and dozens and dozens of assets with minimal work when we take the same core IP and reuse it in different formats. And I also want to give you another cheat sheet. Again, Joe will send out the deck so you can click on these links. It's just a list of free or freemium tools that can help you uh, turn text into video or turn, you know, a research report into an infographic, etc. So have a look. And now, now you're like, okay, Purna, there's lots of ideas. Hopefully, a lot of them are buzzing in your head right now. How do we plan for them? Once again, I want to share like one last framework and to help you, which is the hum sing shout. Now, what do I mean by that? Very often, because we're so busy, we can fall into the trap of just doing a campaign or two within a month and then go back to silence between campaigns. And we shouldn't ever really go silent because you just lose out any of that momentum that you built up in being in front of that. So you want to do what is called hum, sing, and shout. And the best way that I can explain that is by thinking about the song, We Will Rock You by Queen, okay? We all, we all know that song. I have a point to this, I promise. Okay, so let's say that in the days of old, before COVID, if we were all out en masse in a, in a nice bar or a pub, and it's late at night, there have been some beverages consumed, and the song comes on. You know, the, the beat will start, right? Um, the drum, of course, so, you know, you'll hear the beat starting, and then people will start humming, along right as you start, right? Melissa, exactly, you know where I'm going with this. So that's your hum, it's there throughout. So if you hear like the, 
all of their, their beat at the back. It's there throughout the whole song. Then the song will start. Those will be your sing. Some people will start to sing along like to the, to the main, um, main lyrics as they start, like, you know, your big disgrace, kicking your, you know, all of that stuff they will start off with. But then the chorus will come on, the we will rock you. And at this point, everybody's getting up, everyone's jumping up in the bar, everyone's singing along, right? To the chorus, everyone's just shouting at the top of their uh, volume. So <laughs> do you get that scene? Thank God it only happens like the chorus is only two or three times in the whole song because otherwise it would be overwhelming. No one will shout for the whole like three something minutes. And then some people will sing along and then you always have that hum. So if you think about this entire like melody and put it together, that's how our content format should be. Here's how it would look like. So you'll want to plan your big shouts or your big like hero content for the entire year at the start. And you will only do like two or three uh, in a year, right? We won't be doing a million of these in the entire year because that's too much for you to put together, but also for your audience. No one wants to consume that. Uh, no one's doing the chorus the whole time. Then your sing, which is your regular scheduled programming, which is your regular articles and posts and content that you can either derivative from the big pieces. Uh, for example, with our Future Trends ebook, we can do like a executive thought leadership series, right? That happens throughout. And then at the end, your hum, which is happening the whole time, is your content that's already there, so you're easy to produce, optimized to their intent, whether it's curating other people's news, sharing like market updates, or, or you know, just quick hit, sharing an employee post, all of that. So if you take this and look at it as a big picture for the year, then um, my hope is that it will seem a lot less overwhelming because you'll know all the different ingredients that you'll need to have together, and then you can build it. So, okay, good. I love like a lot of people are, uh, oh, Megan, hum is the perfect way to describe the content that's always, they're always happening. Yes, you're so right. And, oh, thank you, Jeremy, that's lovely. So think about it like this here, of course, I just, for example, sake, it's a fictional financial services company, but you can, of course, make it anything you like. Um, remember, being always on, you wanna think about accompanying your users, your potential customers, through that whole journey that leads to you. And when you're always on, remember, you can be there for them at the time, especially when they're reading those 13 pieces of content on average before they even reach out to you. So that helps. Um, okay, that's it. You can finally hear the enough of me, me talking. I will just quickly recap for you all. And then I wanna hear what your, your takeaways, which is one, remember, audit from your existing content, whether it's from your purpose, your employees, your history, wins, and data. Give new purpose to what's worked elsewhere, whether it's again news jacking, social jacking, or your own high investment pieces, your own, and then plan it all out to make it digestible uh, using Humsing Shout. So now I will be quiet and I'd love to hear from you, like what's your, one takeaway that you'd want to do? Um, and what questions can I answer? 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Perma. There's so many lovely chat comments coming in right now. Uh, I love the one from Germany uh, earlier on, who's just in capital letters saying, love this, you rock. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's like super practical um, stuff right there. You know, I think right there, you've you've gone through a progression of blank page syndrome, but then also to organize it. I think that's that's fairly unique to what we've seen uh, so far from the marketing meetup. I think a lot of people will do half of each, uh, but to combine those two things, uh, that's fantastic. And you can see in the chat feature, people saying that they absolutely love Hum Sing Shout. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a great, great, great takeaway. So thank you very much. There are uh, 23 uh, open questions right now. Uh, so we're not going to get through them all. So for everyone that's uh, on the call right now, I'd really encourage you to head into the Q&A feature um, and give a thumbs up to the questions that you would like answering. Um, there are, of course, going to be some, I'm, I'm seeing the top question right here right now. There are going to be some things which are as with any uh, large organization that Fern is not going to be able to comment on directly. Uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of uh, always the case, um, but we'll do our best to make sure that we get the answers that you need in a way that sort of makes sense. Um, so, Perna, I don't think you're going to be able to comment on this like specifically, um, and, and I don't expect you to sort of speak for the whole of LinkedIn uh, on this either. But uh, there's a question that at the top here, which is, about whether there are certain types of posts uh, which are better uh, on LinkedIn. Um, and I don't think specifically the question relates to the algorithm, but maybe if we switch it to uh, certain situations, because I think certainly as a personal view and as a sort of heavy user of LinkedIn, it actually almost doesn't matter usually what the content type is. It just matters that the content is good almost, but if there's a more appropriate type of content for different types of messages, that might be a way of sort of addressing this question. Thank you for that. Thank you for, for sort of tailoring that. And yes, look, it's certainly fair and I'll give you your usual caveats. It really depends on who your audience is. For example, if you're targeting Gen Z, you'll wanna be more, much more visual with those you know, short video clips. In fact, the Royal Navy does a really good job of short videos, by the way, everyone check them out, um, or powerful visuals. So that's something you'd wanna keep in mind. If, so the type of content, your type of audience will really determine what it is. Usually for like top funnel, anything works, right? Whether it's your spawn, your images, your text, everything like that. Usually images help jump out. Uh, videos on LinkedIn tend to get three times the consumption rate than some of the other content, which is what we see. Um, but again, it, 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 there's too much variance in order to fix that. I would really say like, understand who your audience is, get really tight with your targeting, because especially on LinkedIn, you can do all of that by, um, and then see what will resonate with them and, and test it out. For sure. I love that. And, and sort of speaking to, you know, something that I've observed over the past, you know, then I think we spend a lot of time as marketers sort of focusing on uh, sort of engagement figures, whatever they may be, you know, likes, comments, shares, etc. cetera. Um, but I remember f f on an anecdotal level, then I've produced videos in the past, which have had less likes and shares uh, but then six months later those have been the bits of content that have come up people have come up to me and said oh i remember you did that video you know and it's sort of like 
on a sort of like on a very surface level, we've got these sort of engagement metrics, but on a sort of emotional, knowing the audience, engaging with them and, and meeting them where they are, they're, they're different things sometimes. Uh, so I'd really encourage folks, as, as you say, just to, to look at your audience and, and sort of give them the content that they want. Don't worry too much about the specific engagement figures that you see there. Uh, we'll move on to the next question from Claire, and uh, it's the one that I know that people uh, definitely feel a lot. And I know that I used to back in my old job as a marketing manager. Um, and Claire said, uh, Claire asks, uh, creating the content is one thing, but getting employees engaged with the content to share it is one of uh, Claire's biggest challenges. And you did mention it earlier um, in the talk, but have you got any more tips on getting employees and co-workers engaged in sharing uh, on social or, or, or anywhere? Because sometimes, you know, as the marketing managers, we're the enthusiastic ones, you know, we want, we want to get out there, but other people don't necessarily. So uh, any tips at all? Yes, definitely. And I'm so glad you're thinking that way, because the more that you can get your employees to engage with posts, again, the more engagement it will receive the, uh, the algorithms are almost going to be able to tell like this is a high value post. And the more engagement a post gets, it extends its life on LinkedIn or keeps showing up. So you definitely want them to engage couple of ways to look at it so internally you can if you could post almost like an email once a week or like top conversation spotted or here's something we're promoting uh can you you know we'd appreciate any likes shares if you have a teams channel like sometimes i'll post something on the teams about a webinar that i'm putting together i'm like uh sales feel free to please share this out with all your mm -hmm. customers to try to get that and so a simple ask is helpful. You can also ask them to put something in the signature about LinkedIn, about come back to my page, because that will always attract people back to your page. Uh, and then externally on the social media websites, what you can do is spotlight them. And think about why they would want to share your post, right? They want to build their brand as well. Like I said, they want to build their personal brand. And if you can align with that, so if there's a charitable effort that you did, right, that's going to align with some kind of brand they want to build. They want to tell people like, oh, it was so cool to work at Chadwick's because, you know, they do all of these amazing things. They will share those type of posts. Uh, you can also put a spotlight on them. Uh, one of my favorite examples of content, I, I didn't put it in here, is from Samsung. So back in January, CES happened, right? CES, all of you know, the biggest, the sexiest technology in the world all comes together in Vegas to show it off. Samsung could have just led, talked about their technology. Because honestly, if it's CES, it's pretty sexy. <laughs> they didn't. They did a post that was like, here's all our product managers. Here are the people who built the products and them talking about their product. Instantly, it became a lot more compelling. It's like, oh, I want to hear, like, how do they think about it? And all of them are going to be sharing this because they are highlighted and spotlighted. So, so that was a very long answer, Joe. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I get very excited about content. Tell, I'm sorry. It's a great answer. Um, it's a really great answer. I, I, I'd add one more to that as well, which is that um, so, so something I observed at Rise at Seven, which is an agency over in, in Sheffield, mm -hmm is that they've got a, a personal branding team of people who are actively looking to grow their own personal brand and, and sort of like happy to sort of put their effort behind it. So uh, Rise are a company of 100 people and I think their personal branding team is like eight or 10 people. So, you know, you don't need to get everyone, you know, to, to sort of engage with content. You can sort of focus in on people who want to engage, you know, mm -hmm. and sort of, I, I used to sort of get quite, 
uh, riled up by the thought that not everyone was doing it. But you know what? If a few people are, that's amazing. So, you know, if you can engage those folks who really want to do that, that's uh, that'd be a wicked way to do it too. Oh, I love that. I'm a big fan of Stephen and Carrie. Like that's uh, what they've done is incredible. And they get their team members to share their wins, which is again, so it makes them look good and it allows them to put a spotlight. So anyway, I'm so sorry. Next question. <laughs> <Not at all. laughs> um, so uh, next question comes from uh, Crypt. I hope I've pronounced that right. Uh, Crypt says, uh, how do I get more organic followers on LinkedIn? Um, so a very direct question, um, but very much related to, to today's session. Well, I have a one sheeter that I can send out. Joss, I'll send that to you and you can share it out. But really the, the gist of it is like, at one point you almost want to put in your email signatures about the company, put it on your website, follow us at LinkedIn, uh, weekly, you know, almost you want to post daily. Like that's important. Like even five days a week, if you can post, it really helps get you the traction. It helps you build up the views and it will take time. Um, and Joe, you've talked about some of this too. So there's a post that Joe has done about growing followers on LinkedIn, which is probably even better advice than I can give. So read that. Uh, but in all your other marketing messages that you're putting out, even press releases, put your link back to your LinkedIn page, you'll grow followers, uh, tag others. That's so great. Like tag other people, they'll see it, they'll share it, it'll draw more eyeballs. So it, essentially, it's all it's very, very karmic, like do good, help others, call them out, and then they'll all lift you up. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I love the point that you made about just taking your time on it as well there. I think that's so important. Um, my own LinkedIn journey has been five years, five, six years, you know, posting most days. And, you know, that's, that's been the journey, you know, and, and you kind of got just embraced that time is time is a relevant axis on this journey. So, uh, you know, just, you can relax into it, do good, exactly as you said, Perno. I think that's such a great point. Thank you. Um, We'll go for one or maybe two more questions. So the next one's from Douglas and Douglas asks, is there or should there be a different approach to using LinkedIn for B2B or B2C or do the same principles apply? Well, the, the, here's the funny thing that like people used to think in B2B that we have to be very rational, 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 but especially in the last year as people were home more, the lines we've been working home blurred so much that B2B was almost competing much more with B2C for attention. And so what we found was that B2B was starting to emulate the B2C, that human-centric approach. So in a nutshell, it's essentially, no, it's not that much different. It's just sometimes if you think about it, the differences are the purchase journey it takes a lot longer, right? B2B on average decision journey, like the shortest on average is like three months often. And very often it's like 18 months or longer. So you want to engage people a lot longer. Like your branding will happen over a longer time. Your nurturing takes longer than B2C. So just planning that out for your sales cycle is really what is key. But otherwise your messaging and content, you're appealing to humans, like the, all the tips, like purpose, the engagement, um, that Daniel Craig example, that it's an investment. You know, they are, they are a B2B company and they made it really fun. I would, if any B2C company also had the same post, we'd click as much. 
I love that. No, thank you very much. I, I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, there was a little debate going on in the, in the chat feature about sort of B2B, B2B versus B2C. And I think uh, it's true that largely the same rules apply. I like the thought there, which you added there, which is about the sales cycle and just being a little mm -hmm. bit realistic with that. I think that's great. That's really, really good advice. So thank you very much. Um, we've reached in fact, one minute past three based on my based on my clock on the computer. So I guess that's our hour. So uh, Perna, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time today. I think you really nailed that in terms of uh, answering some very, very sort of practical, specific advice that uh, so many people can take a lot from. So so thank you for that. I really appreciate your time. No, uh, thank you. <laughs> Not at all. And likewise, thank you to everyone who's still lighting up that chat feature uh, and saying thank you. Perna, I hope you're capturing this in your mind's eye right now because there's a whole lot of love coming your way uh, from folks and it's very, very much well deserved. So, um, you know, thank you to everyone for being here today. Um, we're back next week for the final choose, uh, the final webinar of this season before we announce the next season of webinars. Uh, the next one is looking phenomenal as well. Uh, so I'm really, really excited to share that with you all. Um, and yeah, just a big thank you. Please do take the time to thank the sponsors. That's my one ask every week. And if you take the time to do that, honestly, it goes so, so far. They get in touch with us every week and sort of say, I can't believe this. And it's because of all of you. So thank you for doing that. And please do take the time to do it once again. Um, other than that, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Perna, and, and thank you to everyone for watching in. We'll uh, take care. Bye.